It's Tuesday, December 7th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Mann. Good to see you. I, I am back, and stocks are back. Stocks. Stocks, stocks are back. Are Everything's back. good. The Every- past four weeks, it's all forgotten because we've got two days in a row where everything's, everything's good again. Everything's good. It, it, it's, 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 it's really unbelievable. You and I both... As part of our jobs, but also because we're extra extroverts, deal with, you know, interact with people all the time about the stock market. And it's really incredible what 48 hours of gains will do to people's moods. Yes. It's, tr- it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It so, absolutely yes. is. Um, today we have uh, a big announcement in tech. We've got... Um, a small deal in SPACs, and we'll get to all of that. But we're going to start with um, one of the stocks that is heading higher, and that is AutoZone, because shares are hitting a new all-time high after first quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Same-store sales were up 13.5%. And I'm curious what you think of the business in this moment in time. I will just say, let's just put aside for a second the spring of 2020 and what happened to the stock then, because that's an aberration. There's with AutoZone. There's basically a two-year stretch from early 2017 to late 2018, where the company and the therefore the stock went through a rough patch. And other than that, this is it's a missile. The hindsight is 2020. Amazing stock of the of of this century. I mean, this is one of those. Easy to miss because it's not sexy businesses that has just done nothing but reward shareholders. So uh, so unsexy, and not only that, and we're going to talk about uh, a related story in just a few minutes. Auto parts has seemed to have been something that you would look at and you'd say from a trend basis, the rise in electric vehicles is going to make the auto parts business somewhat obsolete. But it turns out... I mean, this company, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, so it'll be exciting just to make one up. <laughs> the stock has gone up something like 633% per year for 20 years. It has maybe, maybe a little high. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's a little high. Maybe that's a little high, but it has, it has, it has generated Starbucks-like and Costco-like just fantastic long-term returns, which as an analyst, you would never go in and say, oh yeah, you've got a company that's going to keep growing 20% for a year for 20 years. You would be fired instantly at, you know, by, by a bank. Right, like if that's if that's the thesis you're putting out there, but that's exactly what AutoZone has done. And this quarter, and you're right, thirteen uh, uh, percent same store sales over 2020. Like, oh, oh, okay, 2020 was weird, but they're just crushing it. They are absolutely just crushing it. Thirty-eight percent growth in earnings per share, and this is a company that has just done this year after year after year. And one of the benefits that we get from seeing a management team in place and how they operate for this amount of time is uh, among the track records they build up is how good or bad they may be at capital allocation. And when you look at AutoZone, the way they've managed their store count, the way that they have employed buybacks as a method of rewarding shareholders, you got to tip your hat to them. 
And, and William Rhodes is the CEO of Auto, AutoZone. The company's based in Memphis, Tennessee. He's a Tennessee guy. He's 57, 56 years old. So, so he's, a, he's a young guy. And, you know, as, as, as you and I know, we're getting younger, 56, yeah. getting younger all the time. But, like, he has, he has plenty of time to continue to run the show. He's been at AutoZone essentially his entire career from once he, he got out of business school. And, you know, I, I, it, this is – you're exactly right. It is one of the things that we look to, and it's the difference between the companies that are, you know, in, in – in businesses like this that are commodity driven, having a CEO like William Rhodes makes the difference. Intel shares moving higher because they announced that next year they're going to spin off Mobileye, which is Intel's self driving car division, in an IPO that could value Mobileye in the neighborhood of $50 billion, which is a very respectable neighborhood. Which is a lot. That's a lot. And, um, and significantly higher than the $15 billion Intel paid for it back in 2017. Um, before we get... Well, it, let's start with Intel, and then we'll get to the potential for Mobileye. But uh, in terms of Intel, uh, a stock that has been challenged over the past few years, um, this seems like um, a way to unlock value that um, is is getting appreciated on Wall Street. Yeah, not just unlocking value. And and Chris, when we were talking about doing this uh, doing this story earlier, uh, I, I I was I was aware that the reports had come out that they were thinking about doing this, and I thought to myself, didn't didn't Intel buy Mobileye like last week? Right, maybe that's maybe that's a sign of you know the, of the pandemic that you know to me 19, 2019 is still last year, but it really seems like they just they just bought it. But yes, Intel has already come out and said they have a a, a massive amount of restructuring and re, reconfiguring that they're going to do in their core chip business and cashing in a little bit of mobile eye makes makes it makes an immense amount of sense and they're going to still retain control of it both financial and and voting control so they're not thoroughly spinning it back out it will remain a subsidiary of Intel but in a world in which companies like Rivian Motive Automotive and, and Lucid are out there with seventy billion plus market caps and have produced nothing. This makes all the sense in the world uh, for me for Intel to make this move. Pat Gelsinger, the CEO at Intel, um, compared Mobileye to Tesla, which I suppose I would say that if I were Pat Gelsinger as sure. well. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, what trillion but, dollar company can we compare this to? Let me think. <laughs> but, you know, to go back to something you just touched on, um, it, it seems like at least part of the calculus for Intel in this move is, you know, is maybe informed by what they have seen with Rivian and the fact that, as you said, you know, it's a $70 billion company with no vehicles on the road. And, and uh, look, this is one of those things that, um, uh, shouldn't matter to investors like you and me, but it actually does because um, it involves institutions buying shares in blocks much larger than you or I or anyone listening yeah, speak, to. Speak, speak for yourself, but okay. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no. 
But you look at you look at what happened with Rivian. It, it, let me put it this way: it's hard for me to look at what's happened with Rivian and draw a conclusion other than there's an appetite among institutional investors for Tesla-type investments that aren't Tesla. They've already made their investment in Tesla. They know it's going to be a or big they space. missed it. Or they, or they missed, missed it. it. Yep. yep. Um, yep. Or, they, yeah, or they got in later than they wanted to. And they want, and they recognize it's not going to be, just like there's not one automaker, there's not going to be one electric vehicle maker. There are going to be multiples. There yep. are going to be multiple winners. And so some of that money is going to go into businesses like Mobileye. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, and, and, and Mobileye to me is a picks and pans play on, you know, on, on the industry. You know, you go back in time, you and, and you know, obviously, obviously, I don't know that this is a huge insight, but I'm going to make it anyway. Uh, the automobile turned out to be a pretty big deal here in the United States of America and around the world. And yet we went from hundreds of auto companies in the 1940s to essentially four uh, American companies at the beginning of the century. I mean, that was that that was how it worked out. This will be a similar this will be a similar, um, you know, it's going to be a rough go for business for for an industry that really does have a lot of great things in front of us. This will be a Lord of the Flies industry. I, I you know, I, I believe that to be true. But companies like Mobileye, which are you know, which are providing uh, which which aren't really worried so much about which company wins. I mean, I think that, you know, they're in a really great spot. The market also thinks that they're in a really great spot. And Pat Gelsinger, to your point, recognizes that the rest of Intel isn't in a great spot. But you know what would help? Some cash. The timing is such that it, right now we're looking at the middle of 2022. So, um, you know, for, for those uh, in the business media who are looking to aggregate uh, their list of IPOs to watch in 2022, um, you know, it's Christmas come early because you can put Mobileye on that list. <laughs> um, One less thing to do. Yes. Uh, speaking of media and aggregation and list building, BuzzFeed went public yesterday um, via a special purpose acquisition company. Um, I think everybody knows BuzzFeed, or is at least, you know, if not a regular consumer, at some point, uh, someone has sent you a BuzzFeed article um, or a list of some sort, or it's popped up in your Twitter or Instagram feed. Um, and uh, it, it wasn't a great day in terms of what happened with the, uh, you know, it, it closed down 11%. There was sort of that early pop. We got the reports over the weekend that um, uh, a lot of people were initially interested in this, and then they just sort of walked away. Um, and I, I mention all this because not to pick on BuzzFeed, but I do wonder. Um, we've seen so many companies go public via SPAC, and some of them, in terms of getting attention from investors and the business media, they they barely resonate. They, you know, it's barely a blip. This is a well-known business, um, and so it, therefore it got more attention. Um, then the size of the business would warrant. And I'm wondering exactly. if you think this signals um, not the end of SPACs, but I, 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 part of me feels like whatever heat SPACs had as a category, uh, 
this was just one more bucket of cold water being dumped on it. I know how much you love uh, for for your guests to read on this show. <laughs> I know you love this, but I do have to read something that that uh, that we at the Motley Fool put out about a year ago, and it was about specs. And a year ago now, you basically. There were a lot of people who believed that the way that you invest was to buy a SPAC, wait for it to announce, sell it, and then buy another SPAC, and they were going to get rich that way. Um, And we wrote, we're not trying to get you to invest in SPACs or to be excited about them. Every investment fad in history has ended badly for the majority of investors, and we expect nothing different from SPACs when all is said and done. And it's not to say we told you so. Because that's it, it's dumb to say we told you so, but it is to say that in our job, every once in a while, it's really unnerving to watch people, in you know, to try and play the investment game in a way that it ought not be played, in a way that things aren't really done. Because you would hope they would figure it out, but usually figuring out that you're playing a game that you don't understand comes with some pain. And the, the SPAC market this year has been horrible. There are SPACs that have come out public this year that are down more than 90%. And it's incredible to, to, to think about. So in the case of BuzzFeed, maybe because it is a, uh, a higher profile company, this may be the very the death knell of our thinking about SPACs as being magic beanstalk beans. It's a way of coming public. Nothing more, nothing less. And there are things about SPACs that are better than coming public through a traditional initial public offering. But then there are things that are a lot worse and there really should have been some sort of breaks put on BuzzFeed when 94% of the pre-market money decided to redeem rather than go public with the company. Because that, that, as they say, is bad. Well, hopefully... This has a similar and yet opposite effect from what we were talking about earlier with Mobileye and Rivian in the same way that that's, someone at Intel might have looked at what was happening with Rivian and said, you know, if we spin up Mobileye, <laughs> we could probably make a decent buck. I'm sure. I am I, 100% confident there were digital media companies watching closely with their fingers crossed on Monday when BuzzFeed went public via SPAC because they were thinking, boy, if this works, then we can do the same thing. And hopefully, at least some of those digital media companies and the people running them are looking at what's happened to BuzzFeed and saying to themselves, you know what? We've got to go back to the drawing board. Yes. And here's what's really important. And, and I think that this gets lost a lot. When, when companies go public, the reason that they are doing so, there are a lot of different reasons, but the primary reason is to raise money, right? They're going to raise money. BuzzFeed got $19 million after all of the redemptions. The group that brought them public got $35 million in transaction fees. If I, if I do the math, that comes out to be a pretty high percentage. That's math. This divided by that equals high. I, I just, yeah, the, I would think that there are a number of media companies that looked at this and have said, okay, maybe this isn't the environment for it, but this is definitely not the vehicle for it. 
Not now. Do you think maybe this is um, maybe this is a question that is drenched in hope? But <laughs> but, but do you think, sir? Are you leading the witness? <laughs> Um, in the same way that uh, hopefully some digital media companies watch this play out and and said to themselves, "All right, we got to go back to the drawing board." Do you? Th- I'm not st- suggesting that this puts uh, the final nail in the coffin of SPACs, but do- is 2022 going to be a year with fewer SPACs than we saw this year? Hopefully, for everybody's sake, or yeah, almost well, crazy- everybody's sake. Well, Chris, the crazy thing is that all of the SPACs that have been that have been stood up by now are still out there looking for companies to merge with. And they have a fuse on them that lasts a maximum of two years. So we're going to see plenty of more companies being brought public by SPACs. Ideally, what we will see now is fewer SPACs being stood up to start with. Because, I mean, although, like if you want to be cynical about it, I'd say it went pretty well for the SPAC promoter. They got $35 million. But I don't... I don't know that you know. I don't. I don't know that this is the ideal. Absolutely, positively, the bloom is off the rose. The belief that you can just buy spacs uh, from in, by by individual investors, you could buy a spac blindly and it's going to go up. That that's a dead issue at this point, and I think it's better. I agree, Bill. Man, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. It was fun. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't climb down my chimney, because there's fire down below. I'm too much woman for any. My head to my mistletoe